Hoody hoo. Hey guys, I am back with episode 11. Alright, so people are like, oh, he sounds chipper today. Well, that's today. The other day, mm, not so chipper. No, I was ready to quit. Now people are going to be like, oh no. Now, I guess since I've been talking about depression, suicide, and all that, I should expound a little more on what quit means. I mean, quit the podcast. Um, how serious was I? At eh, 30-40%, but enough to where it was, you know, I had a lot of doubt in my mind. Um, then I talked to my, I talked to, of course, Sue Ellen, who's on this episode, and, you know, she made me realize, like, you know, this is, this platform, we don't normally have something like this to speak, and to have it is awesome and uh, we we need more people doing this like I know a person named Emily and she has her podcast called my uh, violet light streams it's good you know she tells her stories and um, you know hers are a lot shorter than mine so she puts out a lot more content technically uh, maybe four or five minutes at most I mean I'm sure there's a couple more that are longer but she just answers questions that she thinks need to be answered and, and they're good um, you know, she has a nice voice and, and she's, you know, a sweet person. So please check her out. So I, you know, I think we need to stick together because, you know, like I said, I had so much doubt and I wanted to give up, but it's like, I, you know, I, I read some of the comments that people posted and, and I got a lot of five stars and it's, it's, it's really kind. And I'm not, I'm not used to that kind of stuff. I'm not used to having people give a shit. Obviously I've talked about that many times and, you know, I'm getting used to the idea of having good friends now and. Um, receiving love from people that I don't know and it, it's it's awesome I, I really really do appreciate it and I hate to say this because I say we need to stick together and then I'm gonna ask something of you but I need you guys to post five stars if you feel that way <laughs> not swaying you in any way just think about it and uh, and comment comment especially like you know it gets me on the like the newly noted like hey you should check these out especially on Apple It'll be on the front page. I mean, they have like 60% of the market of podcasting. So it's like, if you're on that page of like, hey, you should check this out. It's like, your numbers will go way up. So please guys, the more you do it, the better. Um, like I said, I'm super grateful. Um, let's just stick together. If you want to make real change, whether it's the racial things going on now, whether it's the political crap, uh, any, anything you need change, like what I'm doing here with the disability, disability, disability stuff, you need, you need a group, you need, you know, like-minded people to come together, you don't even have to have the same mindset, but at least come together for a common goal to make real change, and, uh, you know, we could do it. But it can't just be me. It can't just be Emily, and it can't be a few others. Uh, you know, and that's why Sue Ellen is, is a huge. This is an important episode to me because she, she is huge in advocacy, and she's such. She's very well spoken, and she says her. You know, she says what's on her mind. Um, and and just like me, like I'm not portraying to be anything. This is who you get every time. I don't have anything else to offer you, and she is who she is. Um, I know her through work, you know, she's one of the first people I met here when I moved down from Philly, which is four hours away, and 
you know, she just was so kind to me and and then over the, you know, over the months, then it was like, oh, you want to be on our trivia team and then you know, and then I'm in her daughter's wedding and and all her cookouts and all these things and it's like this woman didn't know me for shit. And so I'm I'm forever grateful and loyal to her and her husband Mike and daughter Erica and her cousin Rachel and her her mother and just her whole family's treated me so well, even though I'm an awkward just doofus. But I you know, she, she jokes that, you know, I'm adopted and we're family and you know, like I really do feel like I am family with them and I mean that. And that's a lot for me to say that because it's hard for me to get close to anyone. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I will always be loyal to Sue Ellen for that. Um, she's one of my, you know, one of my best friends, one of my favorite people I've ever come in contact with. So please, I hope you guys support her. <clears throat> you know, she's a very smart person and I'm so happy she did this. I know she did it for me. Not thinking anyone would care about what she has to say, but she's an important person and her story needs to be told. So, hope you guys listen and thank you again. Now, on to Sue Ellen. Okay, guys, we're here with my good friend Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, so, I wrote down a bunch of questions that I'd like to ask you and we'll go from there. Um, I always like to start from the beginning, so I just want to know like, what your childhood was like, you know, obviously when you actually had sight. And that was a long time ago. I know. <laughs> I had to remember t- 30 years ago. Yeah, I had closer to 60 sweet pea. Oh. Um, it's a normal childhood. You know, I grew up with my mom and dad, my, myself and my brother. Um, grew up in Williamsport and, you know, typical childhood. Nothing really sticks out. I started wearing glasses when I was in fourth grade. Got called four eyes in school. I remember that. Yeah. Um, that's about, you know, nothing... Nothing spectacular. That actually answered my third question, because well, how old were you when you had to wear glasses? Yeah. Um, so what is your what is your actual eye condition? Um, I have um, end-stage glaucoma. Okay. Um, and that was caused... You should, I, I can just go ahead and tell you... The, I'll tell you the whole story. It's a long story, though. I'm warning you. <laughs> okay, but before you answer that, yeah. um, the question before I wanted to ask you was, uh, does your fa- family have any history of eye problems? Yeah. My mom's family father had macular degeneration. Yeah. My mom has, she was cross-eyed when she was a kid, but she has glaucoma now too. It's not as bad as mine, but she has glaucoma. Uh, my dad's family, I don't think there's many eye problems on, on that side of it. Um, but like I said, it was my mom's, my mom's dad had macular. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, go back into your, uh... okay. So I pretty much, you know, I was farsighted farsighted or nearsighted as a kid I don't remember now and I started wearing glasses as a kid um, when I was in sixth grade I had to wear bifocals because my eyes had a tendency to cross mm-hmm. um, like my mom's and so I wore bifocals for a few years and then um, but then I just wore regular glasses and contacts and um, my eyes were pretty healthy and normal and then um, when I was I'm trying to think of what year it was. 2012, I think it was, yeah. In 2012, um, my eye doctor 
um, I was going to need trifocals because my vision was, you know, getting bad and I was in my late 40s. So she suggested, why don't you think about getting LASIK? Um, she said that would correct some of the, it would de definitely correct my distance. So I would just need glasses mostly for just reading. So I thought about it and I wasn't sure. Well, she's, she's one of my best friends. She's a really good friend. And she got a discount from a local eye place and said, I have a friends and family where you can get it done for free. So pretty much, so we, Mike and I talked about it, and yeah, well, what the heck, I'll try. So I went and I had um, laser eye surgery. Now, when I first went there for the first appointment, he asked me, the only thing he ever said to me, he said, did Dr. whatever ever t ask, say anything to you about glaucoma? And I said, I know she was watching my pressures. My pressures at the time were in the low teens. And she said, she's watching my pressures because my mom has it, but you know, not really. And he goes, oh, okay. And that's all he ever said to me. Nothing else was ever said. So we went, I had the surgery in, in January, I remember. And then um, he said, like it, it went, the surgery went well, but I, I, I couldn't, like everything was still blurry and, and, and fuzzy. This is both your eyes? Yeah, both my eyes. He did it both at the same time. And um, I said, I said to him, I said, well, it's just, it just feels blurry. And he said, well, everybody heals at a different rate. That's what they kept saying. Everybody heals at a different rate. And so he increased these eye drops he was giving me. And then a um, couple weeks into it, I'm still really blurry and, and bad. And I went back and I didn't see him, but I saw uh, one of his associates or whatever. And this guy did one of those patchy on the knee well you mm, know I've had those as we get older our bodies take longer to heal so he's blaming it on my age that I couldn't you know I wasn't seeing good how old were you at the time 49 okay. so um uh, okay so he um gave me more eye drops you know, increased my doses of eye drops so about six weeks maybe after um a co-worker's mother had no mother had passed away and um, it was a bright winter day, you know, those really bright days, and, and it's really sunny. And my friend from work and I, we were walking across the parking lot to go to this funeral. I had on black pants and black shoes, and I'm walking across this black parking lot, and I couldn't see my feet or my legs. And I stopped in the middle of the parking lot, and I said, Oh my God. Is that nighttime or in the day? This is oh, day. Yeah, this was no, in the daytime, yeah. yeah. And I said, Stacy, yeah. I can't see my feet. And she's like, Why? Well, I said, Something is wrong. I cannot see my freaking feet. So we did the funeral thing, whatever, and I got back um, to work and I called the um, eye doctor place and I went in. Finally, what they finally did, they said, well, it doesn't, everything looks good. They took my pressure right. in my eyes. Mm, my left eye was about 60 and my right eye, the, the pressure was in the 50s. Do you remember what drop you were taking? I'm assuming it was, it was a steroid, Yes, right? it was. It, it was a steroid and I don't remember the name of it, but it was a steroid. And I went, he, the guy, the, it was the young guy, it wasn't the actual doctor. He was, oh my, well, that's not good. I, you must be allergic to these eye drops. So he took me off those drops. I don't know if they gave me something else. I don't remember, whatever. And they said, okay, come back in two weeks. So I went back in a couple of weeks and saw, I mean, I saw different, every time I went, I saw a different doctor there. And it was better, like the pressures had come down, but I still couldn't see very good. And that's when, and they said to me, well, the pressures are down and, you know, things look good. So now you're just going to have to take time to heal. And it could take as long as six months, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
So, and then in the meantime, they're letting me drive. I'm driving and I'm, you know, just trying to live my life. Well, that summer, I ended up changing jobs. Um, and so I start this new job and my eye, there was just, my eyes were not right. So I went up to my eye doctor's office and said, look, you got it check this so the, the her assistant the one girl that works there um, when she did a visual field test she comes back and she's looking at it and she's standing there shaking her head she goes this cannot be right she said I, there's something wrong with our machine this cannot be right well I, had been, I was there at the end of the day and so then the doctor came in and she looked at it and she said yeah I want you to take this again but it was at the end of the day whatever so they said can you come back and I said yeah okay so I'm supposed to go back and Hurricane Sandy hit and um, it, um, up where her eye office is, trees were down. And pa- they lost power for like two weeks up there because it's north of us. And then it took forever. So till I got back in was the following January. So there's a whole year and I'm dealing with my eyes and there's just something not right. So that was, I'll never forget because a really good friend of mine, a, a, he was a young guy that I worked with, passed away. And so it was really like, you know, you're really sad and, you know, and then two days later I go up to my eye doctor and she does the visual field test again. And then she did another one. She did two in a row right there. And so I went in her office and it's funny because Mike and Erica, we were all up there at the same time, all had these appointments, right? And I'm in there the longest. And what she tells me is she said, I'm afraid that your sight's not coming back there's your visual field is terrible there's damage to your optic nerve mm-hmm. and um she said i really don't think you should be driving i you're not you're borderline to take your license but you shouldn't be driving and um the the yeah it was I just, that's all i remember because i remember starting to cry well, how are you driving when you couldn't see your feet yeah, I don't know. I just drove. Oh, I drove. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was 49 years old. I've been driving since I was 16. I just did it. Right, okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. The day, that day, that very day, the day she told me that um, I was coming home from work that afternoon to mm. go to the appointment, and I, I went right through a stop sign. And I didn't even realize I was through the stop sign until I was on the other, I had crossed the road, and um, I went, oh, my God, I didn't even see a stop sign. There is something wrong. I mean, I just knew there was something wrong. So anyway, so then she sent me to um, another, back to a doctor at the place that had done my surgery, but this was a different doctor. So she sent me to him, and he put me on three different drops, and trying to get because he that's when they said you know the, it's it's glaucoma, but it's they called it something else at the time, and I forget what they called it. And they were trying to keep my pressure down in the single digits. So I was on three different eye drops with them, and I was just miserable, and. In the meantime, I have to tell you, I had started this new job, and, and it was stressful, and it was, ugh. What were you doing? Um, I, well, I, I, did, I was doing the same job, but for a different bank. Okay. And, it, and getting used to a different system, and I went to this office where they hated me, and it was really, it was really nasty. It was just awful. <laughs> so everything in my life was kind of shitty at this point. I'm sorry, I swore. No, you can curse all you want. <laughs> <Okay>. Shitty. <laughs> Anyways, so... Um, so my mom says to me, you need to go to a specialist. You need to go to somebody better. Um, and my grandfather, my uncle lived in up near Boston. And my mom was, you know, he said, you know, they always go to Boston. And I said, I'm not going to Boston. So um, 
I looked around and I got online and I, I, I checked out Will's Eye Hospital. And um, I, I held off. I don't know what was making me, you know, so I don't know why. Finally, though, that was, okay, all this happened like January and February. So then in, at the end of March, I, I called Will's Eye Hospital. And um, I told them where, you know, I was in Williamsport and blah, blah, blah. And, and the, they said, well, there's Dr. Spaeth. And his name I will say, because that man is a god to me. Anyways, um, he had, once a month, he went to Tamaqua, Pennsylvania, which is down south of Hazleton. Um, I believe he had a summer home there. So he would go to Tamaqua and work in a clinic there once a month. So they said, well, if you don't want to drive to Philly, can you get to Tamaqua? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I got an appointment, and my mom and I went over to Tamaqua. Well, Dr. Spaeth was probably... Well, he was in his 80s. He was in his, he was about 80 years old. So he, I go to this appointment and I'm, you know, nervous. And, and then I'm really emotional at this point too. I mean, you, you got to know. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just so stressed out. So I, I go to him and he says, he walks in. And, oh my God, this little guy. He walks in and bless his heart. Older, he, he pats my knee too and says, oh, I hate seeing this in someone so young. Before you go on, like, did you know the pressure of what, literally what the pressure could do like losing your sight is a possibility did they tell you that or was it you just knew that your pressure was bad and no well yeah when it was so high not not the first time not when they told me what the numbers were they didn't tell me then it was when i went back to the other doctor and he said we've got to keep your pressures down if it stays high you could lose your vision completely so we want to keep what vision you have that's what he was like i said and i was on three different drops at that point Right. Well, I was asking why, because you, you, you said you were very emotional, so I was trying to figure out if it was just the frustration of just your eyes constantly fluctuating, yeah. or was it just the fact that you knew what was in the balance? Oh, I knew it was in the balance. Well, here's the thing, I forgot to tell you this part. When they first, when, 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 they, when she first found all this stuff, she was afraid that I had a pituitary tumor, like a brain tumor. So they had sent me, I had to go to my regular family doctor to get a CAT scan to make sure I didn't have a brain tumor. Flash backwards, my father died of malignant brain cancer, so I was freaking out. Yeah. So that's why it was so stressful and stuff, because there was all this, you know, oh my gosh, I was just freaking out. It Are was you a little bit of a hypochondriac. And and really, I'm not. I'm like the, I'm. I go to the doctor less than anybody else in my family, but yeah. that just freaked you out, you know, when you, you yeah. yeah. That when you're already in an emotional state. Yeah, I'm in an emotional state, and and you got to go back. I'm I'm in a job that's very. I'm not happy where I'm at. Um, not that I liked the job, but the people there, I, I didn't it made, put so much pressure on you. It was just weird. Right. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Got it. Okay. So no then, that's okay. No, please. That keeps me remembering stuff. And <laughs> gotcha. I hope I'm not rambling too no, much. No, you're good. Good. So anyway, so Dr. Dr. Spaeth um, says, well, first of all, he says you're on too many drops. So he... Do you remember how many? I was on three different drops and I was taking drops. It, it, every two hours I was putting something into my eyes. Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, it was just it was. It was were they all steroids, <laughs> or were they no? He, they had to take me off steroids because they they realized I was steroid sensitive, so they couldn't give me any more steroids. Yeah. So they had me. That's why they had uh, this combination. So you know, Doctor Spaeth um, said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to, you know, you're too young to lose your vision." So I went back in a couple weeks, and he did some kind of laser. And he did it on only one eye at the time because he wanted to see if it would work. Where they 
did this, I don't know, I hold all still and he's this laser and he puts these laser holes or something or laser something, does something with your eye with lasers. Yeah. So he did that. And then I went back two weeks later and that really didn't do much. So he said to me, he said, listen, he said, I, I want you to see one of my colleagues. And as I'm sitting in his chair, in the chair there, he calls um, Dr. Montravati, my hero, on top of Dr. Spaeth. He calls Dr. Montravati and says, hey, I have this patient, and he gave him the background, and I really want you to see her because um, I, she's, you're going to have to do a trabeculectomy. I can't even say it. Hmm. You're gonna have to, he's going to do surgery. So um, anyways, come to find out, though, when I um, looked up Dr. Spaeth, he's written textbooks about glaucoma. He was one of the leading glaucoma doctors in the world and mm. uh, he, he's done lectures and books and fascinating man he was really really and he's such a sweet person but anyway so he sent me to Philadelphia so I go to Philadelphia and I meet Dr. Montravati and um, they have a lot of good eye doctors down they, there they, they really do and John I, Hopkins too um, so do Dr. Montravati and um, he said yes we're going to do surgery so in August, I believe it was. He um, he did my f first eye, and I think they did my bad. My, le my left eye is my bad eye. I think they did my left eye first. Okay. Yeah, he did. He did my left eye first. So that's the one that the pressure was higher. Yeah, right. yeah. He did my left eye first, and then in October he did my right eye, and then that got me back to the point where I didn't have to wear glasses for a while except for reading. Um, and you know, my vision wasn't coming back, but it, 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 the pressure stayed below 10 and that's what they wanted. And they wanted the, my eye pressures to be in the single digits. Um, so like uh, that worked for yeah, a long time. That was in 2013. So I've been going to Dr. Montravati ever since until he just moved to, to Washington DC area and I'm going to see a new doctor down there. But, um, Dr. Like, this is how much I love Dr. Montervati. He knew we were coming from out of town all the time. He gave Mike his personal cell phone. And then he also, um, my eye doctor up here, he gave her all his personal contact information so that if we ever had any issues, we could be in contact with him 24 seven. That's He's rare. A, yeah, it is. He's super, super nice. So anyway, I just went to see him in July and when, you know, I was saying goodbye to him and he, he gave me, he said, this is the number of the office. He said, where I'm going to be. And he, and he said, and you still have my cell phone, I believe. And I said, yeah. And he goes, he goes, I, I really, he, he said, I handpicked this doctor for me, Dr. Fudenberger, who he wants me to see now. But he said, here's the thing. He said, he will be in contact with me and I will be in contact with him. So if you have any questions or concerns, one of you call me. He said, just let me know and I'll help you out any way I can. So he was super, super, super nice. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Now, I, well, my eyes are getting a little worse right now again. Um, Wasn't there a surgery you had something to do with it that kind of messed it up too? Um, no. The, well, the surgery they did, they, I have I have drains in both of my eyes. Where my eyes are constantly draining. My eyes are constantly watering. Watering, right. Yeah. Is that your tear ducts that keep... Um, it's not my... It's because there's actual little drains in each eye to, to pull the pressure, to relieve the pressure of my oh, eyes. Okay, yeah. So my eyes get really, really dry, which is weird because they're always wet, but they said it, 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 my eyes get really, really dry and nasty and... Yeah, there's he could there's some other stuff they could do. They could do laser stuff again. They could, but they're trying to hold off as long as they can. But he did tell me um, 
they, well, they told me all along. They, they couldn't tell me if I would be blind in five years, 10 years, 25 years. They didn't know, but eventually I will probably be blind. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't have an exact time. No, yeah, they can't tell you. It just depends on your. I, I noticed my eyes have been worse lately. So, and then when I was down there in July, he wanted. They wanted me to come back, and I think it's October, but I'm, I have to change that appointment. But yeah, so I'll have to go back before the end of the year. Right. Um, so, what was it like when they actually had to take your license from you? See, I don't. I've never had. They that, so. well, actually, they did it because. Here's the weird thing, TJ, is so because I had had that LASIK surgery, my distance vision was really good, so I can pass the eye test. Right. Oh, okay, gotcha. But I was borderline because of my visual fields. When you, when I don't know if you've ever had your visual field test taken, but yeah. it's where they have this picture of your eyes and there's like all the white dots is what you can see. Mm. Yeah, mine are mostly black. <laughs> there's yeah. hardly anything that you can see. But what I can see, I can see fairly good. It's not clear anymore, but I can see fairly well. They did not take my license away. I kept it. I didn't want to hurt anybody. When that, going through that stop sign, although, thank God, there was no cars and no people, that scared the crap out of me. Was that your final realization? Yeah. The stop sign? Yeah. That was because I would have trouble driving and at night. I was having this hard time driving. And it, you know, that, that whole year between the surgery and when I fig, figured out what was wrong, um, yeah, I knew something was not right. I, I couldn't back up anymore in the car. And I, when I pull my, <laughs> I can show you the paint in the garage that I used to hit the garage door all the time. So, Chip the paint. I ha well, I had a blue car at first, and even before, a long time ago, I, I was never good with my depth perception anyways. So uh -huh. When I lost my visual field, it was it was pretty bad. So there was some, there's some nicks and dings on the car I wasn't seeing well. I just didn't want to hurt anybody. So um, I kept my license. They didn't actually take it away until it was ready to expire, and then I went down and turned it in and got a photo ID. So what, yeah. So so what is it like for you then and now to actually have the realization that you can't drive and someone has to drive you around? Even it fucking if, even sucks. If it, even if it's your husband or your mother. It fucking sucks. Yeah. I, I, and that's the nicest way I can say it. Because <laughs> you feel like a burden, even though you know oh those people God, don't. Oh my God! How about it? And you know where I live? I live. Uh, I live. You know, fifteen minutes yeah. from Williamsport in the middle. Of, well, not the yeah, neighbors, yeah. but it's yeah. it's a it's a ways away. There's no buses. There's no, you know. There's no, you can't even see my closest neighbor. You can hear their house, but you can't see it, you know. So it, it, it's horrible. I was very, I was very independent. I mean, Mike and I were pretty much, um, he, like, did our own things. I was very, like I said, I, you know, I was constantly on the go and doing stuff. And I, I hate having to depend on the ride. And you know what that feels like. It feels awful. And for me, I know I don't live close to anybody. My family, the closest family member is Kyle. And he's, what, 10 minutes away. I hate to bug them. I mean, he's got kids now. It's it's not fair to them to have to drive me around. I mean, when Erica lived here, it worked out great that she worked on Reach Road and I worked on Reach Road. So we carpooled and she drove me to work. And, but then she moved and got married and has her own life. And it's hard. I really, really, really hate dependent on transportation. And don't let anybody tell you any different. And I will fight for this for the rest of my days. Transportation is something that people who are blind and visually impaired cannot get enough of. And, and there's not enough help for, with, with transportation out there. And, and what we do have in transportation, like I could use the STEP program, but you know what? Where I live, it would take me two hours to get home at night. I'd be on that STEP van forever. Yeah. And I just, ugh. And the cab and Uber and all that would charge you more. It's expensive. I can't yeah. afford it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Just, just taking an Uber to my house is 20 bucks one way. So, you know, think about 
having to do that every day. I can't afford it. I don't make that much. Yeah. It's it's awful. The transportation situation for people who are blind and visually impaired is terrible. Yeah. I, I hate it. I um, mean, that's my biggest, biggest... It's a lot of our problem, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge part of our problem. And it's, it's something that... And I know people say, oh, you know, just ask me. Well, you don't like to just ask. And you know you're a burden. And even if, you, even if they say you're not a burden, you know they are. Especially if, like, if you do it enough. Well, you, exactly. f- you feel like you've already used your credit. Like I know. I feel at, like... So, so right now, like, Mike takes me to work every morning. And, yeah, Mike, my husband, takes me to work every morning. And then my daughter picks me up two days, three days a week, usually. Mm-hmm. And my friend, Michelle, who, who she lives about five minutes away, she picks me up twice a week. So, and they've been amazing. And once in a while, my friend Kim will pick me up. My mom will pick me up. Kyle will pick me up. Jess picks. It just depends. Rachel, yeah, yeah. Rachel, yeah. Rachel picks me up a lot. My brother, my brother once in a while will pick me up too. And I know, and they'll say, you just have to ask, but you hate to ask. You really do. You, you do, because sometimes you really, you know, you want, I don't know. Well, because it, it, I think it was something that Paul and I were talking about, where it's like, you, you want to feel needed, and in that area, is yeah. a place you'll never feel needed. No, I feel no like. no one will ever want you for that. No, exactly. Which is fine, but that uh, that's hard for us it to is. It's hard. To, it is hard to swallow. And I, and I. Like, I can't imagine ha- living my whole life this way, like you and Paul and a lot of our friends have. Because, but I, when you know what it's like, when you know how easy it is to just get in the car to go to the grocery store. Like, I'm out of milk. I'm out of milk. If this was, you know, 10 years ago, I would wake up this morning, I would throw on jeans and a sweatshirt, and I would run down to the store to get milk. No questions asked. Now I got it. I would have to wake up Mike and wait for him and get. And not that it's you know he wouldn't he doesn't mind and he does it, but it's just weird. And I'm sorry, the dog is on me. <laughs> yeah, it's back on. Max, get off the uh, wire. <laughs> Maggie. Yeah, she has a big golden doodle who mm. likes a lot of love. This I'll tell you what. Okay, so now let me go backwards again. Do you mind going back yep, a minute? Do whatever you want. It's okay. your interview. So when I found out about this whole mess and, and the first time I went to see Dr. Spath, uh-huh. work was bad. I, I had told them at work in January when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to drive anymore. And well, what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? Do, how are you going to work? How are you going to do your job? Part of your job is this and this and this. Is that the bank? Yeah, I'm going to try to figure it out. So Every time I had a doctor's appointment, my boss would ask me, what did they say? How long can you work? What are you going to do? So there's that constant pressure on me. So um, between visits with Dr. Spaeth at one point, I'm stressing out. I'm crying all the time. I was a a mess. I mean, I was a freaking mess. Um, I ended up getting fired. So that was just highlight of my life. (laughs) You think it had anything to do with your site? Uh, I think I gave him no. This gave is him well, yeah. I, I gave him, I, I handed him a reason on a silver platter. Right. Um, there was a guy working in my office who had been at that bank for a longer time, and he was there to kind of help help us transition because my office was having a really tough time. Um, I was I was fairly new, and then they brought in an assistant manager who was had been there before, but things had changed and. And her and I were not well liked in that place. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I, and I'm not sensitive. I don't give a crap if people like me or not. But it, it's hard to do your job effectively when you're constantly getting stabbed in the back. Mm. And that was happening constantly there. So anyway, so this, this kid was working there, this guy. And this one day, a, a customer, a business customer wanted to do a, um, a transfer or whatever. And he 
did part of it and left it to me and um, I was supposed to verify it and I didn't verify it. I get busy with other stuff and whatever. I didn't verify it. I just took his word for it and it turned out it was a fraudulent transfer. Now the good news is our back office people caught it and no one was out any money. Even the bank didn't lose any money. I That's found good. out later. But in the meantime, um, and I told them, as soon as I knew what happened, I told them right away. I said, this is what I did. This is, I was honest. I said, this is why I did it. I don't know why I didn't, I don't know why I did what I did, but this is what I did. And so they, um, they waited the whole freaking day. I found out, it's happened on a Friday and a Monday we found out, no, it's happened on a Thursday. On a Friday we found out. Monday morning they called me and they said, um, just stay put, but we'll be over to talk to you. And not till like three o'clock in the afternoon, I had to work the whole damn day. They came in and fired both of us. So. Wow. Yeah, I was escorted out. And how, how is this, though? Take this. So I, at this point, I'm 50. I'm 50 years old, and my mommy had to come and pick me up from work mm. from being fired. Yeah, that doesn't feel bad enough. <laughs> that, yeah. Insult only, to injury. Add insult to injury. I was a freaking mess. <laughs> I bet. It was a rough summer, but, and I told you that story to talk about this one here, Maggie, because she was my best friend when I, I was off work for a whole year then when I after I was fired of my eyes and stuff she was my constant she kept me going I mean I love my family don't get me wrong and and every you know I, they were great too but it was Maggie it was Maggie was here with me day in and day out and she's my baby yeah, that's what Diva was for me yeah um so have you noticed an impact like what what all your health problems have done as far as towards your family um a change or no not really we're still we're still a weird family so well yeah <laughs> yeah no, no my 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 uh my they're all everybody has stepped in though like i said i mean my um my my kids my my mom uh, my brother rachel my friend they all have stepped up to help me and, and you know i appreciate that and they keep me real mike doesn't let me get too down on myself yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't let me do that. That's a good thing. He knows what I need, and he he does that. But you know, once in a while, you play that blind card because you can. But <laughs> once in a while, yeah. Once in a while, but for the most part, no. My life really, except for the whole transportation thing, I'm I'm fortunate enough that my life really hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, I I mean, I make a hell of a lot less money than I used to, yeah. which was kind of rough for us at first, um, because we had you know. Mike and I didn't get married until 10 years ago and, and bought this house 12 years ago. So, you know, we're, right. we were kind of counting on me working, making that kind of money for till I retired. But, right. but we figured it out. We work it out and we're okay. you think anything would be different if you didn't, like if your site just stayed the way it if was? If my site stayed this the, way I, the same way, I don't know. Because you know what, TJ, when I look back on it now, um, I was sick of banking. I really hate it. That's why I left the one bank to go to the other. Mm -hmm. I was just sick of it, and it didn't change anything. So I was ready for a change, I think, in my life. And my friend Michelle, who she's been a rock for me through this whole thing. She was the first one at my house the day I lost my job. And she keeps telling me, you know, and my mom would tell me, you know, I've always heard God, God knows what he's doing, and he has a plan for you, and it's supposed to happen. And I really believe I'm right where I'm supposed to be. 
it, it took me a while. Now, and I know where we work, sometimes we get really frustrated about things that happen there and things that go there, but I, God put me there for a reason. I, I know I'm there for a reason. And even if it was just to meet you and Julia and, and Polly and Sierra, everybody, I mean, I, I don't, there's a reason God put you in my life, all of you. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I don't, I, we all have our ways of, it's basically however you get through life. It's yeah. whatever it is. And, yeah. Um, I, I try not to get, and I mean, I, I take stuff for anxiety Right. And, and stuff but I really I try to stay upbeat I know sometimes people call me a Pollyanna I'm not really a Pollyanna but I'm just kind of mm. I can't I, I just I can't I can't I can't stay de- depressed I can't stay down it drives me it drives me crazy I have to I don't know I like to see the bright side of things life is too short I guess Luke, my, you know, my dad was 49 when he passed away and I have a bunch of cousins who all died before they hit 50 so I know how life can be short how short it can be and so i just want to make the best of it and i'm gonna see as long as i can see damn it and i'll keep fighting <laughs> yeah so my next one question i actually have a statement before i ask because okay. well the question is um what is your biggest worry of losing your sight eventually um but i always like julie and i were talking about you one time in a positive way that's okay <laughs> and i've always said like because Sometimes I call Julia just to check on her because her and I have very similar lives. You know, yeah. We have our own place. We're both kind of alone, and we don't really get out much and so on. And I've always said, like, if there's any – and it's not to downplay your situation. Mm-mm. It's simply to just say, like, I think you have the, the ideal life for someone like us because you have a great husband. You have really good friends, a lot of friends, more than most people would actually have that are, like, genuine you can count on. Obviously, you just mentioned a bunch of them who drive you around. Um you know, you you know your kids are all you know relatively good. They you know your grandchildren. You can see what they look like, even though I'm mm-hmm. sure the biggest worry is not seeing them. Mm-hmm. You at least know what they look like. Exactly. So yeah. So my my question is like, what is your biggest worry if eventually when you if that comes? Yeah. What is your thing that you or anything? Well, if a couple things. This is something that I don't know this if many people know. Ever since I was a little kid. I've been afraid of the dark. Okay. I hate the dark. I've got, I got stronger, like when I got, after I got divorced, um, up until even my, through my first, I was afraid of the dark. If, 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 like when he was in the Air Force to be out working nights or away or whatever, I always kept the light on. Somewhere in the house there was, like the hall light was always on or I was, I was always afraid of the dark until I got divorced and I had to be strong for everybody, for the kids and I both. And that's kind of broke me a little bit of being afraid of the dark, mm-hmm. but I'm still, that's one of the things I'm really, I don't, so I'm not looking forward to always being dark. I, I just freak out. I just don't like being in the dark. <laughs> but, and I know that sounds kind of trivial and stupid. No, it makes but, sense. But yeah, and then, you know, seeing the grandkids, you know, I'd like to be able to see them, you know, go to school and graduate and get married and have great grandkids hopefully someday. But I, I'm not a spring chicken either. I, so, yeah. but um, I, I guess that's one of the biggest things. I mean, I, I, I work with enough people. I see how Kenny does it. I see how Paul handles it. They, they make it look easier. They, than they it, do. Uh, they make it look easy, and I know it's not. But, but they keep me humble. You, do you know what? I look at them. I mean, I get, especially when I get all down on myself. And I feel like, oh, my God, well, woe is me. I can't see, blah, blah, blah. But then I look at them, and they're, like, so alive and so 
I mean, I know their lives aren't great, and they're and like, Kenny's totally blind and lives by himself, but they they do it. So if they can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I, I that's my been my attitude my whole life. I can I can if I put my mind to it, I can do it. So what's I mean, you kind of answering it, but what? Yeah. How's your depression depression and anxiety just today? Today, um, well, I'm a, I'm a crier. <laughs> but but I've always been a crier. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I cry when I'm happy and I cry when I'm sad and I cry for other people. People I don't even know I cry for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'm not too, it's not too bad these days. I mean, I, I take um, I take a Cytolopram once a day, low milligram. I've been taking that forever. What is it? Um, Cytolopram, it's okay. called. Yeah, yeah, but it's a really low dose. I take one a day, one every night before I go to bed. And... Um, and I know when I don't take it, I get fidgety and I do get cry. I cry more and I get kind of depressed and down. And Michael said, have you taken your pills lately? <laughs> yeah. But so I try not to not take it. I take that. But I still, I don't feel like I'm, I'm excited about things right now. And that, that's a good thing. I'm positive things. I mean, let's face it. Um, I'm 58. So I'm, you know, retirement's getting closer and closer. I can't afford to quit right now. So it's going to be a while. And um, I, I, but I'm getting involved at work in with um, NIB and Unique Source with the advocacy program, which I've been going with Brian to um, Harrisburg to meet some of our state representatives and state senators. And I um, was supposed to go to Washington D.C. to meet some actual senators and congressmen down there, but you know, COVID stopped that. Although yeah, we did I have, have a couple of meetings, yeah. So, so I'm doing different things, and that keeps me. That keeps me. From getting too depressed, I think. Yeah, this is a question that I thought of because I don't know where my sight's going. I, it, you know, there's been inklings of you know it might get worse, it might stay the same, blah 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 blah. So I right. don't know, but you yours is pretty certain. Yeah, mine sure is certain. There's it. nothing they can do for me. Uh, I mean, there's little things, but yeah, right. I will lose it eventually. Yeah. So basically, the question I, this is I came up with this one because I was just like I was wondering what this would be like. Like, do you think it actually in a weird way? When your sight goes, it might take some of the pressure off of you, because you have that like cloud over you that is like mm. it's gonna come. I don't, I don't know because right now I really try not to think about it. <laughs> right. You want to pause it? Alrighty, we're back now. So I had a phone call. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so the question was, you know, do you have, do you think it would be better off if you were to lose your sight quicker than later? because of it might take some of the pressure off of you of mm. having that cloud over you. And, and no, I don't think so. Okay. I think I'm okay with that cloud over me. Okay. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm okay with that. I want to, I'll, I'll hang on. This is, I'm a fighter. I will hang on to every last inch of vision I have. I will not give it up without a fight. Right. Um, has your, has the experience with losing your vision changed? Um, as far as like over the years, has it gotten worse? The experiences with yeah, um, you know, like like how, how like it, does it rapidly change over the years? Like as you're, yeah. I know you have you seen a decrease in your um, at the beginning, of course, you know, it was a big decrease. Then it was really fine. It was it was you know I accepted that and for few years my vision didn't go anywhere it stayed pretty much the same my glass prescription stayed the same for about five years or so then there was like some little changes here and there and um now this last time I was down there I I kept 
I kept thinking maybe it was it's my prescription for my glasses. I kept saying that, and then Doctor Montravati said, "I don't think changing your glasses is gonna gonna fix it. I think it's the glaucoma now is is making things foggier and grayer and whatever the heck glaucoma does to you." That's the other thing. When I first was diagnosed, I read about glaucoma a lot. Now I can't. <coughs> I just don't want to. I don't. I don't think I want to now. It scares you more, yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, I don't. I don't really. I don't. I know it's there in the background, but I'm gonna fight it every way, and I'll fight anything I can. But I just don't want to. I just don't want to know. <laughs> right. Has like your vision loss? Has it like changed your opinion on or? different outlook on people with disabilities oh are you kidding me oh my gosh tj <laughs> it's unbelievable you know what I, you don't realize the discrimination in this world and you know i i'm not gonna I'm nothing against racism i know it exists and i know it's in this world but there it's nothing compared to being disabled absolutely yeah. nothing the discrimination you feel you get patronized you get you get ignored you get people talking to someone else because they look over your head like you don't understand what they're saying. I mean, it's they the, think you have special the, needs. Yes, the perception is unbelievable. The the it's just oh my god. Yeah, you're um, a liability to everybody. Yes, and... yes, you do. You don't get that. You don't understand that until it happens to you. And and it's it. I don't wish this on anybody, but I wish you know some for one day the. A person could walk in our shoes just for a day to see what it, it feels like you know you know when people look like I this is, this is the thing I get all the time you know I will be let's say say I'm at this happens to me right now because of COVID and you know how they have those some of these have these clear panels in front of a checkout register or whatever yep. I can't freaking see them no. I am constantly hitting them or knocking my car and people look at me and I said a couple times this has happened now where I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm visually impaired, I, I didn't see that. Well, you don't look blind. Mm. Well, what am I supposed to look like? Do I need a horn growing out of my head or something? I mean, oh my God. <laughs> One eye in the center of Cyclops. Or a dog. Yeah, or dark glasses. I, yeah, yeah, I don't have a dog. I don't, have glass. I don't need a cane yet. I'm probably going to have to do the cane route eventually, but I'm, like I said, I'll fight everything. You and I had a five-minute conversation one time about how we should just abolish cl uh, clear straws. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> oh my God, well, you've seen me with clear straws. Oh, I, I hate them. <laughs> I poke my good eye with a clear straw. It's horrible. I hate things that are clear. I cannot, I can't see a dang thing. Or like when you put two pieces of paper on top of each other and I'll be fiddling with it. I'll be in a store. Oh my gosh, I was in a store looking at sheets or something one time. I can't remember. It was just down at Bontown. Bontown was still open. And I was looking and I was trying to move like I was trying to move to get to something that was below so there's like things there's three things that are all the same color but I couldn't see there was three things and I think it's one thing and I keep picking up these things and I'm like I thought I was like on candy camera there's so much like wow well, oh my god it's just pick it up it's <laughs> <laughs> <You> feel stupid <laughs> no, you can. no it seems like the only people that really understand us are people either obviously that have a disability or have a loved one that has a disability yeah yeah they get it now and my family, as great as they are, they sometimes they sometimes forget. They sometimes don't get it. They they just don't get it. Which, in a way, is almost a compliment too. Yeah, that's true. That we function so well that they don't know. Right. I, I, yeah, I get that. But there's so much that I used to want to do that I just can't. Go shopping by myself is one of those things that I would just love to be able to just 
get in a car, well now, and just go somewhere and do something by myself. I hate to have always, Christmas shopping is a pain in the ass now. I do a lot online because I don't like somebody with me all the time. I talk to myself. I like to think. I like to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you need your space. I need Even my if you're married for however many yeah, years. Yeah, oh, exactly. I, I need my space. That That's frustrating. Yeah, I, I've, people used to ask me, like, well, what are some of the things you wish you could do or want to do, right? I'm like, I just, but sometimes I'd like to go at like 8 o'clock and I just go get a sandwich at McDonald's or yes. somewhere. Yeah. And just go out and just drive around and, and yes. just come home. And then it's like, well, that's stupid. I'm like, no, oh it's my stupid because you can do it. The thing I miss the most, the thing I miss the most uh -huh. is getting in the car on a nice, nice day. Putting the windows down, the top down when we had a convertible, with the windows down, Blast the radio, singing at the top of my lungs, get on the highway and hit the gas and just drive. Right. Just go. Just sing and go and just do it. Oh, God, I miss that. <laughs> when you were losing your sight, did you, like, and you were still driving, were you, like, super paranoid? Yeah. Like, did you have the radio on because you needed no. ears? No. Are you kidding me? I, I, got, I got paranoid. I figured, I yeah. got really paranoid. Because I know you're, you're a paranoid person yeah. anyway, but. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got really, really paranoid. I am, um, yeah, I, I am a paranoid person about things. You know, I, it was it was a struggle. I hated driving. I would I would when I would park, I would pull through everywhere I went, so I didn't have to back up because I couldn't see to back up. Yeah, no, I was one always wondering about that. So you you know you said earlier like you're really big in the advocacy. Do you, yeah. What are uh, what are some things well, do you think? Well, go ahead. What? Well, I just. I'm t this is one of the things I, I said um, when they interviewed me for this program to become an advocate. You had to do, I had to kind of had to send them a resume and I had to write some stuff and then I had to do a little speech thing or whatever. And one of the things I, I always say is that I, in my heart, and I have thought about this a lot because, um, you know, we think about things like this. I think being blind is the absolute worst handicap. I would rather be deaf than blind. I would rather be in a wheelchair than be blind. To be, I have thought about this a lot, because, you know, when you're deaf, you can still see. You can still, you can still, still drive. You can still do a lot of things. Um, when you're in a wheelchair, look at Denise at work. She, she just bought a van. She can drive. She'll be able to drive. And and you can, I don't know. It's just being blind. The perception is so. I don't. It's just. There's just. It's a visual world we live in. You know, go go into a, go into a McDonald's. I can't see the board anymore. Well, now everything's going touchscreen too. Yeah, yeah, and I have to be right on top of it to see it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's nothing. And there's, your nose activates something. Yeah, exactly. You a sandwich. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Everything is just so. It's a visual world. Everything in the whole world is visual, and it's and it's not co equipped for people who are not. And they do have technology out there, but do you know how expensive that technology is? And it's not even like the best quality, no, like material exactly. made stuff. It's very hard plastic and crap, but it, it's like it, it's thousands of dollars, exactly, hundreds of dollars. Exactly, yeah. Oh, they, you can get this or you can get that. Well, yeah, first of all, like like the people at work that got the eSight, that was like, what, four years ago, and it's there's new ones coming out that are better and cheaper, but it's still not the best, and yeah. it's... CCTVs, yeah. if you know where to find them, and they're, yeah, they're hundreds to thousands of dollars depending on the model. Exactly, exactly. Just getting a good magnifying glass sometimes can be a couple hundred dollars if you want something decent. No. The, the pri it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And the other thing that really 
ticks me off about it is, and I get that, you know, most of us that are, are, are visually impaired or legally blind, because I'm considered legally blind too, it, you know, we can make a little bit more on social security and we can still work, but it, we're still capped. Capped, yeah, it's like 2050 or something it, crap. We're, st- it's, we're still- That's before taxes. Yeah, we're still <laughs> capped. So there's no way I could ever make what I was making before in my previous life. And, and to be honest, I mean, at work, they talked about me, you know, that, and I said, you're not gonna be able to pay me enough. Yeah. Because to go off of that, you're going to have to pretty much double and then some what I pay to match what I used to make. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to get off of Social Security for anything less than that because that's just stupid. Because it is a security blanket. It, it is. It's a pain in the ass to get it first. Right, yeah. And it's hard to get it back It's hard to get it. it back second. And, and third, again, I'm 58 years old, so right. it's not like I'm going to have a long time to work anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that extra money does help. Yeah. But uh, people think, like, it's just, like, like when we get laid off, it's like, oh, but you have that. But you have that, yeah, yeah. And that's they, bullshit, because that may cover rent for exactly. a lot of people. Like, that covers my rent. Other than that, like, it that doesn't That doesn't co- even pay my house payment, right. what I get. So, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And, and they just don't get it. People who are who do not live in the world that we live in, they just don't get it. Yeah, I mean... Pun intended. They're blind to what we actually exactly. <laughs> it's a good pun too. It's 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 the truth. It's it's it is the truth. Yeah. Um, so what what are some things you feel like you want to change through advocacy? Even if it's not through work, if it's just you and you're like, or what are some things you think need to be changed? First even of, if you can't do it. First of all, I, there needs to be more awareness. I, I think people don't really realize how many people actually are blind or visually impaired. Yeah. I think that there needs to be awareness, and then there needs to be some type of reforms that help us on the transportation side. Yeah. Public transportation is a pain in the ass when you're blind. You can do it. I mean, people ride the bus all the time, and I get that, but it, it's hard. It's it's hard. There needs to be something, something transportation-wise that, for, especially in rural communities where we live in, there's got to be something if it's I don't know what it is if it's maybe a, a government subsidized program that offers free rides for people who are blind and visually impaired they have to sign up for whatever anything I mean like I said we have stuff but that's for everybody you know yeah like, and they have stuff like like the elderly take the bus yes, for free yes yes like that people who are blind and visually impaired should have free transportation that's yeah. And and that's one thing Same for that, people in wheelchairs and stuff like yes. that Because it's hard for them to get around Exactly people, you, you need to have Yeah Transportation is huge And you can't live in the world without transportation You've got to go places And they need to have people who Actually know how to deal with people like us Yeah <laughs> Because there's too many people that just, they get frustrated because we don't know how to put it, we can't find the coin slot to put the money mm-hmm. in or, or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, here, just give me your money. Yeah. Oh, gosh, you get that a lot, don't you? No, here, yeah. I'll do it for you. Let me do it. Let me do it. Well, no, I want to do it myself. Right. Let me do it myself. Because, you know, you, you said, you know, you, you're older and I mean, I'm 31 and it's like, I'm tired of being treated like a kid sometimes mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, here, just, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. do it for you. Yeah, exactly. I have to look. Okay, yeah, we're back. Um, but yeah, it, it's very, it's very hard. Like I had drivers literally just drop me off at the wrong stop, and they look at you like, well, you know, you should have, you should have grabbed the little wire to pull it down, or you should. And it's like, dude, my eyes are really bothering. You know where I'm supposed to get off, and it's like, you know, exactly. It, it's super frustrating. And that's, I guess, I'm spoiled, and I know I'm spoiled. I'll tell you, I'm spoiled because I, I refuse to ride the step. 
And I told I told Mike from the start, I'll go back to work, but I'm not riding step van. I've heard too many horror stories about how long it takes somebody that works in South Williamsport and we're over in Williamsport, it still takes them an hour to get home every night because they have to drop 10,000 other people and pick up other people until it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't live on the bus route and I can't afford taxis. So I'm lucky and I'm spoiled because people will help me and pick me up. But it's, but I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And that being said, I still have to wait for them. I mean, like, you know, I get done work earlier than everybody else. So I have to sit and wait a long time. But I, I, you know, I do things with my time, but it's just, you know, it's just pain. Yeah. Transportation. If I can change anything, if I can find a way to fight any for anything, I want free transportation for people who are blind and visually impaired. Yeah. That's it. That's what I want. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the biggest things for us, period. Yeah. It's not, it's not fun at all. And like I said, it's either your family, if you have them, mm-hmm. if you have good friends or good family that actually will take care of you. But yeah. you, you know, most of us don't have that. No. And some of us do, but we have one or two people, and it's like once they're gone or we're not talking or they're not in town or exactly. we're screwed. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's why I've always said, like, that's why Julia and you and I, like, we try to stay as close as together as possible because, like, if we don't yeah, stick, stick together, together, if we don't, you know. Yeah, then we don't have anyone. Because I think part of us were our biggest problem, too, is, like, we don't want to stick together because we're so afraid of just being, you know, obviously we're, we have never been really accepted by the world, and then we're pushed away all the time. And it's like, and a lot of us, when we actually need to fight together, it's like, oh, I don't know what that's like, and I don't want to be involved. I'll just stay on the sideline. And it doesn't help. Yeah, that happens a lot at work, doesn't it? Anywhere. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had many friends who are, have disabilities. and It just... It's not that you give up. It's just that you just don't want to. Some pe- you just don't want to draw more attention to yourself, so you yeah. just stay quiet. And well, even this, like you're. I mean, I knew you would say yes to this, but like, there's so many people. Even like Julia, she's like, well, I don't think I go. I don't think anyone would care. And it's like Julia, like you have a great story. You're she's got a charismatic. Story. You're funny. Like, and people just need to hear your voice because more people, the more people to speak up, the better. Exactly. People need to hear us. They really do, and and I don't know. They just, they just. People need to know that that you know we're people too. Yeah. And you know we, but but we get. It feels like you get forgotten. Oh, a yeah. lot. It feels like you get forgotten a lot. And I'll go back to advocacy on that vein. In that same vein, one of the things that um, I was on two Zoom conference calls this week, um, one with uh, state senator. Um, Casey, not state senator, United States senator Casey's office, and then a, a congressman from the Pittsburgh area. I think it was with him. One of the things that they were they were talking about on this call, well, they wanted to know how we dealt with COVID at work, and it would be in our, our nonprofit agencies because we supply the military, we supply the federal government, we supply the state government with stuff. We were deemed essential workers. So we were worked. We worked all through COVID. Um, we didn't take off. People that were over 60, they sent them home, if you remember. Mm-hmm. People that um, could work from home and that had, like, children and or pre-existing conditions, they did that. But the rest of us, we went to work every day during the whole this whole pandemic. We haven't stopped going to work. Um, so there's, there's a bill, uh, well, a Senate resolution out there, a senator from Indiana, um, and his staff wrote the resolution. They wanted to just um, recognize that the work that the blind and visually impaired have done through the pandemic. 
and you know how great it is that here we are people who are considered handicapped who are considered you know and we're essential employees we, we kept our government in supplies um, however politics gets involved in that so Senator uh, Casey's office said he, he won't support it because he doesn't like the language the way it's written it's not more inclusive and it, it just boggles my mind <laughs> just boggles my mind that it you know how could that be well there's other handicapped people that were essential too if they worked in other places okay so just make it for include all them, yeah. include them I don't care about that but don't not support it yeah, right. Just add and, yeah, don't subtract. Yeah, so the pol- the political part of being an advocate sometimes gets very frustrating. Mm-hmm. I think that's for anything, though. Oh, yeah. And well, politics getting in money. And it gets involved in everything, too. Politics and money it ruins everything. It really does. <laughs> any aspect, any country, anywhere you go. It's, exactly, exactly. It's just greed. And corruption, it's everywhere. We can't fix the world, but, you know, we can try to, I think, like I said, my, my thing is transportation, and I'm, that's, a, that's a wagon. I'm not going to jump off until I can't jump anymore. All right, yeah, you just ride it until it falls off, yeah. ride it until the and wheels I'll fall just, off. Yeah, just I'll keep riding it, because that's just, that's just something I think is only right, um, it's, and it's only fair. We should, we should have free transportation. It's yeah. not our fault. Something, it's, yeah. It's, it's nothing that, you know, it's, it's. Just not fair. There's an answer for everything. It's just people don't want to take the time to, to find the to answer, develop it. To and, develop and yeah, I mean, and I, I, it. we see it where we work or anywhere. It's like even people tell us what our limitations are, and it's like just let us find the way yeah, to do it. That's something that really, really frustrates me too. Is is we get painted into a box, <laughs> we get put into this little box, and they don't let us out. I'm not saying that happens right, to right. me because I, I'm, I'm, I've got enough mouth in me that I I hear you that's why we get along so much <laughs> and that, I, that I, um, I fight for what I want to do and what I want but yeah I, I get frustrated that you know people do sometimes get these labels put on them and then they're stuck with that label forever and that shouldn't that shouldn't be people people need to well as I was saying Sophia we're basically yeah. just the wheelchair logo yeah like we're yeah. And it doesn't matter how able you are how unable you are it doesn't mean you're the same person you get paid the same you get looked as the same even though you could do more than probably most of the people with sight it's just you need a different way around exactly. you need an alternate route and you know something that frustrates me and and i don't want this to come out sounding sounding wrong but when i go to nib down to i've gone to two of the conferences and things now um <laughs> sometimes i feel like we're the token we're, we're, we're the blind, we're the little uh, performing bears, you know. Right. We, we, we do the blind show so that everyone else does the work to get us the money because we're not good enough to do it ourselves. So they have, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, because well, it, it's sad, like, because, you know, we need money for all these nonprofits that, that have disabled people. And unfortunately, you almost have to guilt them into making yes. you feel bad for you. So it's, it's like a dog and pony show. And we have to go and put on a show for... But, but I don't know. I just kind of feel like sometimes um, that whole point is lost. You know, you go to some of these conferences. This is a perfect example of how, you know, we, we go to the, a conference in, in, in D.C. and it's, they're honoring the blind workers or whatever, okay? So we're, all de- we're down in this conference and we're there for several days. But what, do, what, does, what is every other meal? A buffet. 
Yeah. We're freaking blind. <laughs> we can't see good. And they stick us in a room with tons of chairs, and, and they give they give you a buffet to eat. Right. Give me a break. Do you not know why we're here? And see, like, a buffet is fine. Like, if we were by ourselves, we'd be fine. But it's like, we know we have to reach across other people's yes. food, and sometimes we're going to have to actually touch it, and yes. it's super frustrating. It's hugely frustrating. I, don't, I won't even go to a buffet now. Um, I might with Mike or something, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, Mike was with me, and and so he he'll help me and stuff like that. But it's so frustrating that you know you're you're doing this for blind people and you serve them a buffet. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, there's all reality. Reality always kicks in. And it's like I, I think I was tell, I was telling somebody it was just like there's days where like oh I'm feeling attractive. I'm feeling good about myself. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I like my outfit or whatever the hell. And I'm walking around. And then my grandma says, can you grab that for me? And I go to reach and I miss it entirely. Mm-hmm. And my whole coolness, my whole like swagger oh, is completely yeah. stripped from me. Yeah. And oh. I just feel like a complete child and an idiot. And so, just, well, m- mine is. My, my well, I remember is. last couple weeks ago, remember the jar thing. You, you, yeah. Yes, you were here. You witnessed that. I That's why I came it. in and just kind of was there for you because I knew. And bless her heart, my family thinks I'm mad and I'm mad at them. Or it's, it's not I'm mad at myself. I just ticked off that I just dropped something in front of everybody and smashes everywhere and it's glass and I can now I can't even see it to pick it up and that just makes me madder. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's sometimes I'll do something and I'll go that wasn't because of my sight problem because sometimes you just do yeah. something stupid. But yeah, that was literally because you couldn't see. That one was, and, yeah, that one was, I couldn't see what I was doing, and I, I did it. I know. Mike is, Mike is good, though, about pointing out that is, you're, you're a klutz, dear. You've always been a klutz. Yeah. Well, that's why he just, he diffuses <laughs> He keeps me it. real. <laughs> yeah. He just, I remember, he just came down, he's like, it's okay, dear. I got and it. it was yeah. over. He comes over, and he cleans it up for me. That was it, yeah. He, Let's it go. <laughs> yeah, he kind of needed that balance, because it, it's, you yeah. know, we, we are pretty... Again, Again, and I'm not super religious, but God makes things happen for a reason. God put Mike in my life to help me through this. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's nice to be tested. Yeah. And it's nice to have yeah. challenges. But I've told Rachel, I've told many people, it's like, sometimes I just want to do something without a challenge. Yes. I don't want anything for free. Yes. I don't want it. I don't want you to throw things at me, money. Or I, I want to earn it. But yeah. I just don't want to have to push and fight mm-hmm. for every little aspect of my life, whether it's brushing my teeth and the damn toothbrush falls, and now I'm trying to find to reach it. It's like, I just want to brush my damn teeth. Yeah, exactly. And like, I have to not know, have everything be a constant. Yeah, everything's a battle. And yeah. it's like, man, I've been fighting my whole life. Like, when when can the stress go down for a day? And just go like, yeah, I'm going here, and I'm just going to enjoy my day. And it's like, you know, something always has to kick me in the balls and just go, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. The day Erica got married, um, we go. We got our hair done, and we're all dressed up, and I'm really nice clothes, and I look really, really good. And we're we're at the church, and we're waiting for the wedding to start, whatever. And I was walking. I don't even remember where I was going somewhere to do something. I don't even know what it was. And I'm feeling really good. Okay, and I look I look good. I look. It's a good day. And freaking all these these people are coming in the door, in the back of the church, and didn't I trip? And I just went and I just went to stop, and I was. Smacked my hand into the wall, which even brought more attention to me. Oh, I just felt like such a freaking idiot, a classy yeah, idiot. We, we have tricks sometimes. Like we drop something, if we hit by our foot, we could just like sweep you it to our other of, foot. Yeah. And you know, it's down. We have ways to kind of hide yeah, it. There's ways to compensate. Then there's ways where you right. just this big glaring elephant in the room. Because bam, I just did that. The worst thing ever is screen doors and glass doors. Oh please! And I've only <laughs> the glass door I did once at an Apple store, and I, it was in front of a shitload of people. <laughs> 
And I was so embarrassed and I was so mad. And my mom was trying to console me, but I was just so depressed because it was like I knew it was there, but I just walked just, a little too far over. Yeah. And as soon, of course, as soon as I hit it, I saw it. I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And no, I hit glass things all the time. Yeah, and it's just like you feel like such an idiot. I know. And it's like you just gotta swallow and just realize just like it's just right. it's just way. <sighs> Sometimes you try to laugh it off. Some days and some days you can't. Some days you can laugh it off really easy, and then there's other days. Like that day, I dropped the jar. Just ugh, annoys yeah. the freaking head. And maybe you're having a bad idea, or something else mm-hmm. is bothering you, and then it just it takes your it, eyes. It just brings it right back. Just to, brings it right back to. Well, yeah. You try to sometimes you know you try to laugh it off, but there's other times when it's hard. Like a, like I said with the plexiglass now at the checkouts and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm hitting it and I'm hitting it. Oh, I hit it. I've hit it multiple times. <laughs> like, I'm shaking it to where it was like, and I'm trying to catch it. <laughs> so I know there's. I have someone. I said I know there's something here. I just can't see where I'm supposed to do it. You're gonna have to help me. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna tell you, just taking spray paint or something with yeah, me. I'm just start spray painting walls and put an X on it or a sticker so I can see it's there. Yeah. Um, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, do you have any um, final words or anything you want to say? No, I'm really glad you're doing this, TJ, and I really... We'll let her bark. I'll let her bark. <laughs> I really hope that, that some of our other friends will do it with you, because everybody has And other has people a we story. don't even know. Yeah, and people don't... Everybody has a story, A. And, and sometimes, like, like, listening to Paul, when I was listening to his, it kind of... I was having this crappy day, but it brought me back to, it grounded me back down to say, you know what, here's Paul, and he can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So you just, you just need to, I don't know, people need to be nicer to each other and, and listen to each other and learn from each other. So yeah. Well, I, that's why I said in the, like, the depression episode, like, it's simply like, you could be the day, you could be the last person that basically ends their life. Yeah. Because just be kind to people, because you never yeah. know what you what your outcome or your impact can be towards a person who's already feeling shitty right and it's like if they have crappy eyes or ears or whatever and they're just depressed and it's like you just you just treat them like garbage and they they were like you know what today's gonna be my good day and you just strip them of all that yeah so i just we need to be kinder and gentler and we also need to be more aware of our of people around us we need to be aware of what they're going through it's not always just about us i mean that's one of the things too you gotta it's not always you know, you gotta, you just gotta be aware that there's other people going through things too. Yeah, we let things like the media or whatever just divide us and get in yep. the way. And the reality yep. is, like, there's a lot of good people out there, but we just get stuck in the bullshit. We just get stuck in, yeah, in the in the middle of a mess and have feel like you have no voice. Yeah. So this this has given us a voice and Try to good do for something. you. Yeah. Good for you. Well, you know I love you. And yeah, I love you too, kid. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. And I promise people for will you. listen to this. I doubt it, but okay. No, people will listen. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, again, thank you for doing it. And You're welcome. We can end it. Okay. <laughs>